Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 113, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from the ACHA and AAU college hockey. Herm, how we feeling? It was a long weekend for the fellas. Want to check in on you. I know a lot of people listening are probably wondering how you're doing, recovering from the Kentucky trip. Uh, Why don't you tell the folks at home? Little sunburnt and amazingly no damage to the side of my head. Nothing short of a miracle, by the way, after getting smoked. It's It's a photographer right a passage you know in hockey like anyone who knows me who who sees me around the rink shooting knows I kind of get to the dangerous areas to to get the shot and this weekend in Kentucky was kind of no different with some precarious conditions in the LIC it was an unbelievable weekend in Kentucky myself you Tim made the trip down wish Collins could have been there to experience it was an unbelievable one we'll throw it over him now Collins how was your weekend Well, it clearly wasn't as fun as you guys. It's kind of hard to beat an atmosphere like that. I mean, we we had our own little mini Kentucky on on Saturday. We split this weekend with Lehigh. But yeah, we lost Friday 2-1. Broke the shootout with five seconds left with a a shot from my roommate off the face-off. 1-2-0 Saturday. Pretty chippy. Uh, One of the teammates had to go to the hospital. Like his chin cut open. Had to get a couple zips. Yeah, but we're in the middle of midterms right now. Looking to get to uh, to Friday, and then uh, after that, off to Scotland next Tuesday for fall break. So should be should be a good time. Buddy that got zips is he a big cage hand guy? Was he a, a culprit of too much sty? Oh yeah, he's a he's a big culprit of too much sty. I don't know. He got a probably solid three inch gap between the the cage and his chin. So when it happened, when he got his jaw cut open, his entire face was just bloody. So I thought like he was bleeding from his from his mouth like got a tooth knocked out which would have been even sicker i mean nothing says hockey guy like like a missing tooth i remember thinking cage hang was really cool until we were at nyu and something very similar happened like very physical game small ice surface at chelsea piers and one of our guy hit his chin on the dasher board and he's like a guy who like has barely any cage hang and I remember going to the bench and immediately like tightening up the chin straps on my helmet because I was like, I am not letting that happen to me. And so, yeah, that that's people forget hockey's a dangerous sport. So glad he's doing all right. Unbelievable weekend down in Kentucky. Uh, one, first and foremost, before we break down the the weekend in Kentucky, I want to mention that Fitz is not with us tonight. He's traveling down to Huntsville to get ready for the SPHL season. So hopefully when he joins us next week, he'll have some tales from the trip down there and hopefully he's settled in down in Alabama at this point. To recap the weekend, I mean, let's just go with the lead. Louisville spoiled the party in Lexington. We had the entire Hockey House travel crew with us down there. And like I mentioned, we we had a great time of it. They showed us campus. They wined and dined us. It was great. We got to see all the local spots, see the support for the team, check out some SEC football, spend a night on the town down in Lexington. It was an unbelievable weekend. We had a 41 save performance from sophomore goaltender Nick DiGiacomo from Louisville, and he spoiled the party. The Cardinals won 2-1. to one. They jumped out to a 2 nothing lead in the third period. Kentucky scored one with about five minutes to go, and there was life in the building. The Cardinals, just they blocked a ton of shots. Not only did their netminder have 41 saves, but they blocked a ton of shots. Would have loved to have seen the stat on that, but it was a textbook road win for Louisville. They set the tone early on. They played the body. First shift of the game, I was fully expecting a Kentucky guy to come out and run a Louisville player and get the crowd right into it, and it was actually the complete opposite. The first big hit of the game was a guy in Louisville sending a Kentucky player into the boards. Instead of a cheer from the crowd, it was a gasp and 
they just never got rolling on their feet. And we talked to some people outside and I know the price of tickets jumped up for the Louisville game and there wasn't as big of a crowd outside the rink waiting to get in. They sold out regardless. They still had 502 people max capacity with the fire code they have going now. I just felt like that crowd never had a chance to get into it. It won nothing Louisville after two periods. They didn't score until five minutes left in the game. And I thought that that crowd was just nervous at that point. I think it's 2.30 in the morning. They've been there since 8 p.m. waiting in line and and they weren't treated to anything to cheer for until late, late, late in the game. Herm, I'm, I'm curious how, how if you felt the same way. I, I remember feeling goosebumps when Grocery Party came on for the skate outs, the blackout comes on, the smoke, and you really, really felt that atmosphere. Like It did not necessarily reach that decibel volume again throughout the course of the game. Yeah, and I, I wish Tim could jump on with us tonight because he made a really good point. Like That's that's why you love college sports because at the end of the day, like you can never be sure with your rival. I think we went into this thinking, you know, Louisville, they got swept by Miami the week before. I, th- I think we thought Kentucky was a better team than we saw. And, and we'll get to that later on in the show. But very good win by Louisville goaltender Nick DiGiacomo. He actually got lit up by them last year. So it was kind of a revenge game for him. So I wanted to give him stick taps for that because he set the tone right away and the other thing, too, is I think these games are usually filled with penalties. We talked to both coaches after the game. Lowest scoring game, least amount of penalties between these two teams in a very long time. So it was a bummer that the home team went home disappointed, but we were treated to a very good hockey game nonetheless and wanted to just send a huge thank you to the staff over at Kentucky. Head coach TP did a phenomenal job of hosting us. His assistant, his son, Clay, awesome to us. RVD, the GM, was great. Kai, the creative director. Mary Ledford, the photographer, Hannah, the social media, plus PR, plus president, the entire off-ice staff. If we needed something, they got it for us. It was just unbelievable. And we even, you know, we went out to lunch too. We were there with the whole crew and the staff at Dad's Deli. They were unbelievable. Dad's favorite deli. Great spot. Great food. You know, it's great when I love the food and Herm has something on the menu for him as well. And they rolled out the red carpet for us. So just to be able to experience what they go through week in and week out. Hockey in the South, midnight hockey, it was unbelievable. We also got the chance while out with some of the Kentucky Hockey Media members. They recorded a little bit, so we're going to cut to them right now. They had some very nice things to say, and we'll pass it over to them. Hi, guys. This is Mary Ledford, official photographer of Kentucky Hockey. We really do want to thank Hockey House Pod for coming out to our game. It wasn't the result that we wanted, but we had a great time with them. They were so supportive. Herm, Tim, and Murph did a great job on PR. After the game, Like we all went out together. It was great. We had a great time. I really enjoy getting to know them and I really just hope that they have a safe flight back. Some of the amazing fans that we got to see in Kentucky. The coolest part about seeing everybody outside waiting to get into the game is we were decked out in our hockey house stuff and Herm, not to toot our own horn or anything, but I think we stopped to take photos with at least a dozen people and got to meet some wonderful fans of the pod. They listen, they follow on social media. One family I wanted to, to point out was Michael and his son, Boston, longtime listeners of the pod. They were there. Boston couldn't have been older. Oh, you know, much more older than 10 years old. And he was jumping up and down when he saw us. We gave him some stickers. They treated us to a couple of Lexington Fire Department patches that they brought for us. It was unbelievable. He probably had the most energy of 
anyone in that crowd, by the way. Like, I saw him the whole night. We gave him, like, a Hockey House sticker that he had on his shirt. And I saw him, like, fully arms waving, pumping up the crowd. That kid was into it, and it was so cool to see. He was our, our little assistant, too, by the way, as we were filming one of the uh, the Optimex bits for, for the video. I was like, Boston, can you help me, can you help me hold the light real quick? And he did a, an A-plus job at that. Wanted to give a shout out to to a longtime listener, now friend of the pod. We talked about him last week with Auburn and everything he's done there, but Auburn's women's head coach, Jack Rosenhammer, was there. I met him at the Chicago Classic last spring. Got to connect with him when we got the girls on the pod, and he actually was in town for work in Lexington, so he stayed behind and made sure he got to check out the game. He had no idea they played every home game at midnight. He was just blown away by what hockey in the SEC can look like. And so he had to check it out for himself so that he can take some inspiration and bring it back to Auburn. So just a really cool weekend experience. And again, wanted to shout out the cards. You know, Louisville played a great game. They had a long weekend themselves. They had to battle against Maryland the next day. They actually dropped that one three to one. They were able to get the split the next day with a 4-1 win. So all in all, a good weekend for Louisville. Tough bounce back, though. You know, when you're at the rink until 2.33 in the morning and then you got to play the next day at 5 in the afternoon. They got it done, though, with a split. A weekend they can be very proud of. But the bottom line is the TSCHL is a gong show this week. I think I saw Dayton beat Maryland, Maryland beat Louisville, and Louisville beat Kentucky. So it is anyone's game in that conference right now. And wanted to give a shout out to Barstool T Show, a new account on Instagram I saw this weekend. They uh, have all the inside scoop on the T Show. So wanted to give them a shout out because that is going to be a wild conference to follow along this year. But all in all, a great weekend and, you know, exciting weekend of college hockey. And there was plenty more a- action. Saw a lot of brooms get broken out this weekend. Mentioned that the T show, Indiana took care of business sweeping Cincinnati. The Hoosiers beat the Bearcats nine to two and eight to five. Two huge wins for the Hoosiers to move them up in the conference standings. Collins, I want to get your thoughts on this one. We talked about George Mason a couple episodes. They swept IUP. And I think this is kind of a wild one. This was, had to have been a big weekend for George Mason or a tough weekend for IUP. The Patriots won five to one and four to two. So huge for the Patriots. That's a pretty big win. Once the computer rankings kick in, I imagine, depending if IUP kind of stays where they are, they could fly up the rankings because that first week of computer rankings is just always a mess. For my sake, I hope IUP just put up a stinker. We could be looking at a good George Mason team like they've been kind of talking about for the past couple of years. So uh, is this the year it comes to fruition? Well, it's back-to-back tough weekends against ECHA opponents for IUP. They split with Westchester the weekend before. Could be looking good for the ECHA if IUP is towards the top of the rankings, like maybe we thought they would be at the beginning of the year. They went to Nationals last year. They won the College Hockey Mid-America. So that was the one I had my eye on. Another game that we had our eye on, which any other weekend would have been game of the week. U-Tampa claims ownership of the state of Florida. They swept Florida Gulf Coast. We had a matchup of D1 AAU versus D2 ACHA, two of the top college hockey programs in the state of Florida going head-to-head. And the Spartans spoiled opening weekend in Fort Myers with a 6-3 win and a 3-2 win at Hertz Arena. Herm, I'm curious, is this what you expected? I thought I thought Florida Gulf Coast, would. I would have picked them to take a sweep on this one. I talked to some friends at Florida Gulf Coast, and they said that those games were so back and forth, evenly contested, that it could have gone either way. Huge congrats to, to Tampa for, for pulling it off. Man, those, those two teams are wildly, wildly talented, and I would not be surprised to see both make 
deep, deep runs at their respective nationals this year. And I think the thing I was more concerned with you, Tampa, knowing that they're a good hockey team is they just haven't they've played kind of a weird schedule so far this year. And, you know, they split with Alabama AAU and they had three games against Vandy where they had one close one and then two huge blowouts. And you look at their schedule, they have such a charcuterie board of opponents with AAU teams and ACHA teams. It is just a wild spread. So I, I would have imagined that was like a, a game where Florida Gulf Coast blows them out in game one and then you get a close U Tampa win in game two. But Spartans came to play and, you know, they took ownership of the state of Florida. Also, a, a, another huge sweep this weekend. Our guys down at Drexel with a big one over Navy. They debuted some pretty cool new jerseys. Great reveal. Love that. I mean, anytime you get a new jersey set with those lights at class of 23 arena pat mcginley the captain of the team did a great job putting that video together with his film skills but nonetheless they debuted their road jerseys with a stinker in the first period down three nothing after the first period they were probably ready to scrap those jerseys all together they clawed their way back and with a minute left in regulation less than a minute left they win an ozone face off and they score to take the lead and win 4-3. They have the home opener the next night in the Steel City Classic and a big 5-2 win for the Dragons. So I wanted to give them a shout out. But a couple of big sweeps to you know talk about on the pod and some great hockey early on in the year. We love love these back and forth actions. But it sounds like with all of these, these are pretty back and forth games. One team ended up being the better in both of them. So those are fun to watch gong show game i was going through the aau website just looking for games to talk about found this one between alabama huntsville and middle tennessee state university 13 to 7 just like a football game going back and forth not a lot of uh, action between the pipes here 4-3 at the end of the first period alabama huntsville scores five in the second and then it was 4-3 in the third period as well. So a close game, but a huge blowout in the second period leads to an Alabama-Huntsville victory over Middle Tennessee State. Another blowout we had was Charleston. The College of Charleston defeated the Citadel 9-0. This was a rivalry game, but Charleston is D2 AAU. The Citadel is D3 AAU. We can kind of see the separation there. Want to give a shout-out to the Adrian women. They stuck it to Linwood on opening night in Arrington. A 9-0 sweep. They defeated the Lions 9-0 on both nights, 18-0 on the weekend. Just another weekend in Adrian, Michigan with these blowouts. The Bulldogs are so good on home ice. We saw the men's team played well on their opening night in M1 action. They defeated Purdue Northwest 5-0, and they got the sweep as well this weekend. I want to give a shout-out to the guys at Kutztown. They had a huge dub. The boys called their shot last week, and they defeated Ramapo for the first time in program history, a 4-3 overtime win on the road. They're excited for another big weekend coming up. And then a team that we we haven't really talked about a lot, but Herm, I know we talked about this before the show, 6-0, Kent State, flying onto the radar. You look at the teams, though, sweep against NIU, sweep against Rochester, and a sleep against Cleary. So they are looking for a worthy opponent, and they will get one this weekend when they face off with Indiana Tech. I have to give a shout-out to our guys at App State. My boys put them on the hot seat. They had not beaten an opponent yet this year, and they were all in-state opponents. They doubled down, and they swept Charlotte this weekend, so they're back. They corrected all the mistakes, and a huge weekend for them. But I also wanted to talk about them because they announced this weekend after a two-game series against Charlotte that they will play the 49ers later on in the year outdoors. As you remember, UNC Charlotte played Wake Forest last year at Truist Field in Charlotte, home of the AAA baseball team, the Charlotte Knights. UNC Charlotte is set to host App State 
in the 2023 Outdoor Classic on Friday, November 17th. Once again, be held at Truist Field. Tickets for the event are going on sale Monday, October 23rd. So that is going to be an exciting weekend of hockey in North Carolina because you'll get the outdoor game between those two teams. You got the Governor's Cup between UNC and NC State on Monday night. So North Carolina is going to be buzzing with college hockey that weekend, and we cannot wait to cover the action. Got some teams on the hot seat this week. Would love to know your thoughts on this one. First and foremost, I'm going to toss them on there because I think I think we have to. But I'll, I'm going to throw Kentucky on the hot seat. We had a great time. Nothing but respect for everybody down at Kentucky. But I think they're going to have a tough week at practice. I mean, all the buzz about the game, the new jerseys, the shells, the gloves, everything, all the hoopla. And to only score one goal and lose two to one, I think they're, they're pretty bummed. And I think they're throwing themselves in the hot seat. I wouldn't even have to do it. But I think they just need to find their rhythm. Talked about earlier the TSCHL is wild this year they clearly have the talent they beat NC State they blew out BU to start off the year but then they threw a stinker against Boston University the next night losing the shootout they lost to UNC and then they threw a stinker against Louisville so this is a team early on they have to figure it out and so I'm throwing them on the hot seat for it I hope you know that as I'm listening to this right now that you just wrote the entire script for their next hype video it's sequenced perfectly like Kai, you've got the easiest layup in the entire world. Go have fun with that. And like I said, that is a team. They went to nationals last year, especially in this league. There are teams that get a lot of media coverage, like the team at Kentucky that does a great job. You know, if I was in the Louisville locker room, I'd be like, I wish we had that. Like, what's better than going out and beating those guys, right? So I think they got to find themselves. They got a tough road ahead, but it's easier to correct it now and fix those mistakes now. And, and, you know, we hope to see this Kentucky team in St. Louis down the road, but they're going on the hot seat. And then I have a couple others. We got two rinks going on the hot seat this week. I'm going to throw the rink exchange on. We got Charlie Marr coming on later. He'll tell us the whole story about what's going on at Oregon hockey right now. But the rink exchange in Oregon, Oregon beats Colorado on opening night after not having a single practice. Ice is supposed to be back in by the time the boys get ready on September 10th. It was not ready. They were waiting all week and the next week goes on and they're like, are we even going to be able to have our opening night? Rink exchange still doesn't have ice in. So they have to drive three hours away to Medford, Oregon, where they take to the ice with no practice experience and they defeated Colorado. Colorado came back and won the next night. They got the split, but crazy story that I mean, other than like just not having the ice in in time, it seems like every day that goes by, they think it's going to be ready and it just hasn't. So rink exchange has to figure it out. We need the ducks hitting the ice again, close to home in Eugene. So I'm throwing them on the hot seat. And then another rink that's going on the hot seat this week, boss arena. URI has one of the best facilities in all of the ACHA an on campus rink in South Kingston, Rhode Island. They have not been able to use the rink since August. URI's M1 and W1 teams have been playing 40 minutes away from campus. The kids have been practicing with games slated all over the state. We have Fall River. We have them in Providence College, Burville, Warwick, Pawtucket. They are playing all over the place right now because their rink on campus had some issues and they haven't been able to put ice in. They're expecting it to be ready in November. So for the time being, URI has pushed around their schedule. They are going to play NYU at Providence College on October 6th, and then they are going to play at the Lynch Arena in Pawtucket for the second half of that NYU series and then a home series against the U.S. Naval Academy. But just a real bummer. I mean, 
This would be like Liberty not playing at LaHaye or Ohio not playing at Bird. This is another iconic ACHA arena on campus with a ton of seating. And unfortunately, they're not able to use it right now. So we're throwing Boss Arena on the, the hot seat, the Rink Exchange on the hot seat in Kentucky because we got to fire these boys up and, and you know get these teams back on their home rinks. But any thoughts here, Herm? Am I fair throwing these teams on here? Yeah, I I have no qualms with the teams that you put whatsoever. And two, like Oregon and URI, two great programs in ACHA Division One, and like they should be playing at their rinks. The rink exchange was packed out last year for some games, and would love to see that again. And shout out to them because they packed the place in Medford too. I think Charlie talks about it in the interview later. But people in Oregon just love love the Ducks. They love the school spirit, and they'll go anywhere for them. So it was cool to see. But I want to give some stick taps to Western Washington goaltender Edvin Sanders. The senior netminder will, will wear the C this year for the Vikings, which is pretty cool to see. Rarely do we see goalies wearing Cs. I think it's a little more common in college hockey, but cool to see that. And then I also wanted to shout out the University of Providence, the Argos. They had a tough year last year. Saw they had a big win against Utah Valley this year. That is a program that made some noise in St. Louis a couple years in Nationals. They defeated Florida Gulf Coast and played spoiler a little bit there. So would love to see that program back on the out in Montana. And so I wanted to give them stick taps for getting off to a two and one start this season. And uh, Herm, want to, want to throw you over for call your shots. We got a couple for call your shots, two from outside and one coming from yours truly. So from W Fortugno at Liberty, UK and USC referring to South Carolina are immensely overrated. I think this is just the nature of the beast. And I, and I we talk about Kentucky and South Carolina a lot because they have sick media teams. They always have great jerseys. They're always in the spotlight. Almost, I would throw them in the Liberty category too. It's like it's hard, Liberty UNLV too. Like it's hard not to talk about these teams all the time because they're in the spotlight. You know, they're almost like the Dallas Cowboys, right? Like the people are always talking about the Dallas Cowboys, no matter how good, no matter how bad they are. I look at a team like Notre Dame football too, Texas football teams that are just naturally in the spotlight all the time and people love to see them lose so when they when they do lose people are loud about it we saw that this weekend with the wildcats from connor palmer 16 jcu is legit need to rise in the rankings going from two schools that have been in the spotlight to one that is starting through making some noise in our comment section and then putting up some results to make their way into the national contention picture they split with concordia they lost five to four in overtime they are now three two and one on the season and they'll travel to Syracuse next weekend so Syracuse got the split against Robert Morris a young Syracuse team this year they'll go toe-to-toe with John Carroll this weekend so that will be one that we might want to put eyes on your boy by the way did get on the score sheet in both games Sean Deacon, yeah, again, he was on the hot seat. He he knew. He knew he had to answer. He's gonna like light up Syracuse this weekend. Watch because I, you know, we we threw him on the hot seat. So JCU too. That's like another team that over the last couple. Of years, I mean, they made it to nationals a couple of years ago. They beat Pitt. And remember, and that was a big deal program that was kind of on the edge. One of those teams that Collins talks about where it's like, maybe they should be ranked a little higher. They don't play the toughest schedule, but they make games count against some some pretty good teams. So we'll keep our eye on them. I have their schedule pulled up. They will have to make some noise against some teams because they'll play Pitt down the road. They'll play Dearborn, which is another really good team on their schedule. So we'll certainly keep an eye on the, the blue streaks. And then I got one. And it's not just because they've completely buttered me up by diligently tagging me in every single photo that they use of mine. But I think after sweeping Indiana Tech, 
GVSU is going to go four out of five in October. I am not including the game against NCAA Ferris State exclusively in ACHA matchups. I they're going to run through the month of October. Who who are their opponents in October? It's a solid slate too. That's really why I feel like the the call is a big one. It's a three game weekend to start off October for them. They got Utah and then a series against ISU. The next week they have Calvin Ferris State and then they have Oakland. Yeah, tough, tough start for my boys at Utah, M1 and M2. One guy's got swept down at Arizona, and I think I saw M2 lost 6 nothing to Montana State. The women, though, we got, we'll get to the women. The women had a big weekend, as we'll have to shout them out, but keeping an eye on the, the crew from Utah. It's time to get to our, to our interview. We had a great guest this week, Charlie Marr from the Oregon Ducks, and as always, this one's brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. The best part is these guys know club hockey, so be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. If you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at optimxsports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. That's if you're interested in signing up for the website, optimxsports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. That lets them know that we sent them to you and you'll get an even extra better deal there. You can now add a team store to your team site and sell tickets, merchandise, and even make payments. Tons of big names jumping on the Optimex train this week. We got Kent State and UNLV and ACHA M1, and then a couple of AAU squads jumping on the train. We have American University. Love to see them back up and running. UMBC unveiled some new jerseys this week. They're back up and running. And the New York Collegiate Ice Hockey Club, otherwise known as Columbia, has jumped on the train as well. So some big names, lots of teams that love listening to the pod. Make sure that your team is listening to the pod and signing up for Optimex Sports at optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. Now, without further ado, over to our guest, Charlie Marr from the Oregon Ducks. We're pleased to be joined by a former Frozen Jungle champion and limitless hockey athlete, Oregon Ducks junior forward from Quincy, Massachusetts, number 79, Charlie Marr. Charlie, welcome to the Hockey House. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. That's the uh, the first time we've ever introduced somebody as a limitless athlete, but I felt like I had to get that plug in for Larks. The few, the many, the proud, man. It's awesome. What, what's going on, man? I feel like you guys have had a crazy start to the season at Oregon. We tweeted out the picture the other day that you guys had no practices, but one win under your belt. How crazy is that rink situation right now? Yeah, I mean, we got here September 10th. The rink was supposed to be ready September 6th. And then just about every day then they've been, yeah, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. And and now we're here and we've been practicing. We've been here for about a month. And we got games this weekend. We still haven't practiced yet. So a lot of mental gym for the guys this week. What's like not ready with the rink? Like they're just like taking their time putting the ice in? I mean, I don't think ice is super hard to make, but those guys have found a lot of ways to just, I don't know, there's no ice in the rink still. Like they, they froze it the other day and they said they have to paint it and do a whole bunch of nonsense. As of right now, there is ice, but... I think three days ago there was it was still concrete. Might as well play roller this year. How far did you have to go to play those home games last weekend against Colorado? <laughs> I mean, leading up to it, we we had a three day stretch of Portland, which is two hours, down to Medford, which is two and a half, and then back to Portland, which is two more. So our home games were about three hours away in a little town called Medford. So I mean, it was it's still in Oregon, but it was, it was about four hours away. But it looked but, like you guys had a pretty decent crowd too, considering it was three hours from campus. Yeah, the Oregon faithful travel well, and Oregon is the only thing in the state so we're pretty popular and, and our fans are awesome and, and our name travels really well but we're super happy like medford's been awesome to us so we can't say enough good words about those guys awesome well walk us through your hockey career growing up how does a kid from north quincy mass end up in oregon <laughs> yeah i mean growing up like high school i was i was the ultimate band-aid i think 
I had I broke two bones my my junior year of high school. I had a concussion sophomore year, and then senior was COVID year. So I was kind of like I never really felt like I finished my hockey career the right way it was supposed to happen. I had great coaches growing up. The Quincy Quincy faithful know all the names I'm thinking of. Shout out to those guys. I was thinking about going to prep school, both COVID and stuff. It just wasn't looked like it was gonna be a good fit. So I was like, oh. I was kind of the big F-bomb. Fuck it, I'll go to Oregon and see what happens. Uh, I have family out here, and, and I came around the summers, and I, I love it out here. But I was like, how do you how do you turn down the U of O for, for schools at home? It was really hard to, to not say yes. That's so tough, too, because I was going to ask you, like, Massachusetts high school hockey, that's got to be so cool. But it sounds like you might have had actually the worst high school hockey career of all time. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big locker room guy. Uh, I love the guys. Chill champion, too. So I really well-rounded off the ice, but I'm still still hitting my stride on it, so. Now, was that your pitch when you went out to Oregon? I know they were M2 at the time, so maybe recruiting wasn't as heavy, but how did you uh, find yourself a spot on the roster with that resume? Pretty much, like, I reached out the second I decided I was going to go there because I was like, I'm going to go here and play hockey. There's no one or the other, like, I'm going to make it happen. So I reached out and I was like, hey, I know you guys recruited and whatnot, but I'm looking to play and you know, I obviously my resume is not too deep, but if you come, if I'm come to tryouts, I'll, I'll show you a thing or two. So came to tryouts, had a good tryout. And then I didn't really play too much the first two games and then a couple of injuries. And I was playing first line with a couple of 27 year olds and, and those guys treated me so well. And all I had to do was put my stick down and I was a plus 10 for the rest of the year. <laughs> so yeah, it really worked out for me in the best way possible. And I love it. Is that how you got stuck with uh, number 79? Is that because you barely made the team and that was the only number available? What's the story yeah. behind that? So my freshman year, when we had tryouts, we had about like six kids walk on, myself included. And I think I was like the last year I was out of the bucket. And I was like, this is awesome. This is nails. I got a rocket for the rest of the year. So why not? And the, the vets loved it. So I kind of stuck with it. I think it looks good now. You know, Ross Colton, Andre Markov, a couple of good guys in there. So. There we go. Yeah, it's like the guys in the Bruins, like McAvoy, just still rocking 73 because it's the number he was given when he got here. Yeah, I think it's nails. You know, I'm not I'm not a big like hockey superstition or like style guy. I just I just like to go out there and play and have fun with my friends. So rocking 79 is kind of just fit and it looks goofy every time I look at it, but I love it. So <laughs> walk us through your your welcome to the ACHA moment fall 2021. Like we're still like kind of on the heels of COVID. I'm looking back at some of these photos like you guys look like a ragtag group. The green buckets haven't come in. And uh, you, you know, wearing masks on the ice. What's your welcome to the Acho moment? Yeah, so, geez, this is, I got to dig deep in the bag here. But we were actually down in Medford my freshman year. We had a home opener, home opener, like it wasn't four hours away. But we had a home opener against Cal. Just a massive boneheaded collision right in front of the bench. Wasn't, wasn't on me or somebody else, but just one of my teammates right in front of me. And I was like, holy shit, that was just. I was nails like this is awesome and, and ever since then I've just been like this league is the best like I love it so walk us through your freshman year I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of highlights it was the final year of M2 action for Oregon did you guys know going into that year that you were going to move up to D1 yeah so pretty much like the first two weeks you know we we're trying to get the team together trying to figure out what we had and then the second we got rolling M1 was like pretty much tossing out like if we have a good deal we're going right to M1 and the second we heard that we're like yeah absolutely like there's there's no excuses why we can't like D2 uh wasn't really for us and where we'd kind of rolled teams everywhere we went and we had a really good roster that year we were really deep like i said earlier i got stapled next to these these two vets and it was awesome playing with those guys and and we kind of rolled our way to a pretty easy season and then we made it all the way to like m2 regionals or whatever and we lost to uh texas a&m and kind of a heartbreaker but i mean that team was really really good and that was like kind of the the, the the turning point in terms of like our roster and what the team was going to look like moving forward as in like how serious it was going to be. Did you guys play in the Pac-8 tournament that year? No, the Pac-8 tournament was kind of shut down after COVID really. So it was kind of tough. I'm, we still have like the I-5 rivalry with UW, but we went up there and 
it wasn't really a close game, but I mean, <laughs> UW's awesome. It was fun to go up there and like, like have like a kind of rivalry. You know, we're not going to see that in the Arctic too much, but the Pac-8 kind of kind of died with us. But I mean, obviously, we, we still have the I-5 Cup somewhere in our house, so we treat it pretty seriously. <laughs> that was like the first time I mentioned the green buckets because I feel like Oregon, best jersey in all of college hockey. And it felt like for so long, everyone was like, why do they have black helmets? Logistically, they're either going to be black, white. It's probably pretty hard to get that custom green shade. I remember seeing the photos when you guys played at UW at the Kraken practice facility, what was the that like in the locker room when the boys got the helmets and gloves in? Yeah, I don't know what scientists finally figured out we needed green buckets, but whoever did, like hats off to those guys because we look great. So the, the black, and I mean, hey, we had to go with the purple bucket, so they never really looks good when we travel, you know. But the green buckets look great. Like, obviously, the, we, we suited up. We we're all green. I think the first time I wore them, like, oh, it looks a little goofy, but you kind of got to rock with it. I mean, the jerseys are dope. The, all the equipment we get is pretty sweet. So they look good and look good, play good, kind of helps the boys a little bit. How is that playing at the the cracking facility? Because I imagine, you know, growing up in the Northeast and then where hockey is so big and now, you know, it's pretty big in the the Northwest now because of the Kraken. That facility seems unbelievable. But to play a college hockey game, a big rivalry game, what was that like? Honestly, that that might have even been like to my welcome to the Acha moment. Some of the guys, like we uh, accidentally found our way in a climate pledge arena, got a little tour. Like when, when we played in the the Kraken rink, I I had a goal on way over the top, Sally. Like we might have already been up like three nothing, four nothing. It was a little goofy, but it was awesome. I mean, it's just so cool to like be in the same vicinity as like you know some of the pros and like see what they get to do and and be a part of it. And, and the Kraken ice complex both of them is amazing and and the people in seattle love the team so it was really cool to like kind of like be a part of like a growing culture out there for a little bit and even in oregon too it's like the winter hawks are here but that's really it so it's it's kind of cool to help like kind of grow the game out west i saw the video of you guys coming off after spanking u-dub like how crazy was that the fans screaming at you guys Oh, that was hilarious. I mean, both those games were, were, I think they were pretty much sold out. I'm I'm not a ticket master, so I couldn't really tell you the whole details, but they were they were really packed and it's really close to UW, like the school. So I'm pretty sure fans come like right away. And uh, once the game ended, it was a little hostile. So we had, we had to let things cool down for a little bit before we exited the rink, but it was, it was awesome. It was like really like, it felt like high school hockey. It was like real rivalry is really like something deep, very passionate. It was awesome. I loved it. Acha M2 West is a jungle, right? Like there's just so many teams, so many good teams, not a lot of them are close to each other you mentioned like being able to travel to UW like what were the bus rides like what were some of the craziest journeys you guys had oh boy I mean so (laughs) just to put things in perspective we had the worst bus in the history of buses to ever bus it was we had a 27 hour bus ride to Arizona where we went and played our first like M1 game against GCU we might have got off the bus 10 minutes before the game started and miraculously won that game then we had to play the next night, GCUD2. We lost that game, surprisingly. And then we had to travel all the way back down towards uh, U of A. We, we might have played against U of A with like 12 guys. I think everybody was banged up. There was no way anyone was playing. And then a 27-hour bus ride home, there might have been a car accident and about three breakdowns. But I think that made the guys like so much closer. There was just so much nonsense the whole time and, and millions of Monopoly games and millions of just laughs. And it was awesome, but I would never do it again. <laughs> Monopoly on the bus ride? I mean, I, I can't think of a better game to play when you got 27 hours to kill. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many games we played, but a lot of hostile words were exchanged every now and again. But like I said, it was it was something that it was like the best thing I'd ever want to do again. <laughs> That's a perfect way of putting it. Best thing you never want to do again. You mentioned too there was some struggles with the bus in Idaho. Is this the same bus we're talking about? Yep, same bus, same bus driver, two both total characters. 
Uh, we were in Idaho. We were playing games in McCall, and this was probably like in the middle of February, so it was, it was a little chilly as you can imagine. Like we, I think we went sledding before the game started, and uh, you know we get back to the like Airbnb we're at. We had a huge like cabin. It was actually really cool. But then you know we're trying to get home, and our bus driver turns the bus on, and it doesn't move, and nothing's making any noise. So we had to spend an extra night. So s- some of the older guys walked down to the pub, and the rest of us had to go home and shovel the bus out and put a little campfire underneath to try to get the brakes warmed up so we could get out of there. But it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> You mentioned in McCall, I got to go there to watch Utah's training camp. Like, how cool a place is that? What teams did you guys get to play? Oh, my God. McCall was magical. That place was so cool. We bust up there, and during the day, it's like the awesome ski place. You can do whatever you want. Obviously, we had to play hockey, so it was a little different. But like I said, we went sledding before the game started. We just had the best time. It was is. It, that place is really beautiful. We played Boise up there twice. Proposal before the game started, which was also very interesting. That game too, I think I think we went one and one, but it was like we needed to win both those games to like clinch or something. So it was a little bit of an emotional like game. Both of them were so really into it and sold out crowd. Boise town people are pretty cool. So uh, those games are really, really fun. A place I would definitely go back to with or without hockey for sure. Yeah, that rink is amazing. I don't know. I don't know if you put, did you grow up playing at Waterville Valley as a kid? No, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm more like in, like a on the coast kind of guy. So not Waterville for me. Gotcha. Yeah, because I feel like in New England, like a big summertime tournament is playing up in New Hampshire at Waterville Valley, but it's the same setup. It's like this little resort town with the rink in the middle. And I was trying to explain to people like what McCall is like, but I mean, the rink has the windows on one side, so you get natural sunlight in. It might as well be an outdoor game. And it's just a, a gorgeous area. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And like I said, there's there's a proposal on the ice before the game started, which none of us knew about and thought it was the funniest thing ever. Was it a proposal from a player or a fan? Uh, he was wearing a jersey, so it could have been both. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Boise guy? Uh, yeah, Bo- Boise faithful. I mentioned like it, it almost feels like an outdoor game with the windows of McCall, though. Talk about the games in Bend, because I think you did that your freshman year, right? Yeah, we've done that back-to-back years now, and Bend is – I can't even say enough good things about Bend. The, the relationship we have with, with them out there, also, like, it's kind of a tough drive about three hours out there, but we get there, it's it's just the Ducks. Like, that's all the town wants. It's all the town, like, really cares about when we get there. So it feels like it feels like it's just you, you know? So we get there, and outdoor pavilion, it's, like, kind of half indoors, half outdoors, but sold out both games every year we've been. News comes down, ton of interviews, ton of coverage. Really feels like it's, like, it's kind of, like, as close to the winter classic as some of us could get, you know? So we played on there and it's like I said, banged out. Energy's awesome. And uh Bend is a really cool place in Oregon too. So it's it's a really good weekend for us every year and, and we love going down there. We love the relationship we have with them. So it's been the best. After your freshman year, right? The season ends, you talk about like devastating loss to AM. You guys got to go down to Vegas and play UNLV as like a tune up for them to go to nationals. How cool of an experience was that? Yeah, that was awesome. But I think uh, the weeks prior, some of the boys were kind of tapped out. But, you know, we had to throw the suits back on and get down to Vegas. And that whole week was kind of like our same thing with us. It was like our tune-up to play M1, you know. And both those games were 2-1, 3-1. It was, they were, we were in both those games. So it was kind of awesome to, like, you know, be as close to the top as we could be kind of out of nowhere and realizing some of the potential, like, this team has moving forward. And Vegas is super cool. Uh, UNLV has an insane program. Those guys do it so well down there. Both those games are really fun. It's something that we look forward to. And obviously we hope to kind of keep playing them and hopefully keep it a little closer. (laughs) I got to give them a shout out because I want to get them on the pod at some point too. But the Estrada brothers went head to head against each other that weekend too. Any funny stories from those two guys going against each other? Yeah, it was the civil war for us up here. So we were all geared up, ready to go. But I I really don't have too much about that. That's more more of a story for those guys. It was an intense training camp for that whole week, getting ready for uh, for battle for some of those guys. 
There we go. We love that. Any any off ice stories in Vegas? Did you guys get to enjoy your time down there? I know that's like around spring break. Did you make a trip of it? I, I'm still not 21 yet, so most of the guys who, who are who are high and older than I am had a great time. The rest of us kind of kicked in the hotel, walked around, realized that's really not not what everybody makes it out to be when you're just kind of walking with the water in your hand. But, uh, Vegas is cool. Definitely not my speed, but uh, some of the boys had the best night when, when they were there, and I'd, it sucks having to hear about it the morning after, but. Everybody had a good time. Well, I got to mention it too, because you're a junior in college now and you're an 03. You mentioned playing with a lot of older guys your freshman year. Like as a as a younger player in college hockey, what's that like? It's awesome. I love giving it to the guys who are older than me because I mean, I said, like you said, I'm a junior and I, some of the guys who walk in here as a freshman are like 22 and I'm, I'm looking up to them like, yo, what's up guys? <laughs> like, I think my rookie last year was about two years older than I was. I love it. I think it's the best. I don't, I don't really have like any, I juniors never really my thing. I didn't really want to do that. I still don't really feel like it was necessary for me. Like, but uh, looking at some of the guys' stories who did play, it kind of makes me wish I, I had given it a chance. But I love it. It's not really something I noticed. But we have a pretty, like, younger team here. I'd say, like, it's about 50-50 in terms of guys who are still, like, O3s and guys who play juniors. So it's honestly a really good mix of both, like, quality of life and hockey. That's, well, I, I feel like you have enough stories from your freshman year alone with bad buses and getting stuck in hotels that it, it kind of feels like you did play juniors. Yeah, exactly. I, and that's all everybody said is that like, everything feels like juniors, you know, and obviously I didn't really get to do that. So I loved it. And I don't really like ever notice any of the traditions or anything. I just I just love being with the guys. It's like my favorite thing. The following year, you guys go M1. There's a coaching change. Was that part of going M1? Did the, the previous coach step down? And what was that like off season like getting ready for M1? Was it pretty similar to the year before? Uh, that off season was honestly really, really, really rigorous. Like obviously the only talk was how many guys we were going to get, how good we were going to be, how much, how different the programs we run. So obviously a bunch of the guys went home, really worked really, really hard. And unfortunately, like our first coach, I love that guy. He's one of my favorite mentors ever, great person, great coach. But like the week before we were supposed to show up for camp, he said he took a job somewhere else. He said he just like, it worked out somewhere else for him. So he's doing good where his new job is and kind of left the team in the dust a little bit. So we kind of just scramble and find a new coach. And I kind of led into a bunch of other stuff that like just did not work out for the team very well. And that kind of kickstarted the, the, ever, the never ending snowball effect of the, last year. Like a ton of the guys went home and got so much better that year and put us in a spot now to where we can kind of rebuild and get back to that kind of mantra and be a really hardworking team. We got to talk about opening night against ASU. That place looked like a zoo. I mean, the, the Oregon Duck was there. It was banged out. Must have been a sellout crowd. People standing all around the glass. Like, how cool was that to walk out onto the ice? Yeah, we did a phenomenal job of marketing that. And that was kind of like another like welcome to the ACHA moment to, to have a bunch of the guys understand like, yo, this is what hockey could be here. You know, like have this much popularity, this many people at the game, this kind of energy. The rink exchange at the place that we play is huge. And if we can get enough buyers in there, the place is bumping. So playing in front of that crowd that first night, I think a lot of the guys got a real taste of like what it would be like to play here and what it could be when we finally figure things out. And uh, that night was awesome. The weekend was really cool. And Hopefully we can continue that when we actually do play at home this year. Did you guys kind of like pull the wool over people's eyes? Were they like, oh, it's the first D1 game they're playing Arizona State? Like, is this on Is this on the Pac-12 network? No, we just we just told everybody to come. Like, all, like, a ton of the guys here are really, like, connected to campus and really connected to, like, the university and the student body. So we just kind of told everybody to come. And we had Greek night there, so all the frats came. And those guys made the place 10 times better. And that, that, the energy in that building that night was, was something that we hope to recreate many, many times going forward. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in previous interviews, we talked to Brendan Studioso, who like got the call up to the NCAA team at the end of the year for ASU. And even he was like, dude, that weekend, you know, the rink exchange was unbelievable. He said they, they had that place packed out. And then we talked to Dylan Dix from Utah, too. And he was like, that was a, a pretty wild place to play. It's hard to kind of explain what Oregon is like to when you walk around and, and you experience this place. But when you get in the rink exchange, it's just like I said, it's just kind of a zoo and anything goes pretty much. <laughs> Some couple notable things from last year. You guys got to play against Minot State. It's your first year in ACHA M1. There's no conference for you guys yet. You're kind of playing whoever you can play. What was that like going down there? Because those are some big boys and, and a darn good hockey team. Yeah, I mean, it might sound naive, but I didn't even know what I thought Minot was a different country when we said we were going there. So we packed our bags, headed to North Dakota in the middle of the winter, and we landed in about six inches of snow and we were just kind of hanging out, and we had to go play one of the best teams in the country. I mean, Jesus, what a program those guys have over there. and bunch of studs, and uh, I think we might have been outscored by a couple football scores, a couple touchdowns, but it was a real learning experience for a lot of the guys, myself included, to understand, like, you know, there's there's a huge gap in this league, and, and the top teams are, are really, really, really good. We played them three games, and I don't think we were within a, a touchdown, but we're not playing them again this year, which is kind of a good thing for us. Yeah, sick program, sick team. Those guys do it so right out there. It's really cool. And you guys got to travel to a bunch of new places because you made the jump. Like, what were some of your favorite road trips? <laughs> uh, I was a big fan of Utah. We played Utah State. We played the University of Utah. Utah was really, really cool. I love going to Boise. Boise was awesome. Uh, and then Seattle. I, 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 the PNW is really cool for people who haven't been out here. There's so much to do. Nature's awesome. I didn't realize how cool trees were until I got out here. And uh, like this year, we're going to Iowa. We'll be in Jersey. We'll kind of be all over the place. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of travel, and it's been really cool to kind of like, you know, travel and play hockey. It's been awesome. I love it. Are your parents looking forward to the game in Jersey so they don't have to fly across the country to see you play? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I'm excited to do that. Be a little closer to home. And unfortunately, we don't, we don't get to play too close to my house. I'm, I'm a little far away nowadays. But uh, yeah, I'm pumped to be even like remotely close to home. Yeah, back on the East Coast. You mentioned like last year, there was a lot of growing pains. It's, it's really tough when, you know, a program makes the jump and then maybe you don't have the leadership that's ready to make that jump and you got to throw things together. Like what are some crazy memories that you had from last year? year there was a lot of behind the scenes things that just did not need to happen higher ups were just not the right people for the job in my opinion and uh we had a lot of people leave a lot of people not come back a lot of people transfer and obviously no ill will to anybody those are my teammates deep down but i think the program's in a much better spot now with the people we have leading it our new coach jackson hyman is a fucking nail gun that guy's awesome our president is one of the best people i've ever met one of the funniest guys ever and they've really done a whole 180 with this entire program and I think this year is going to be a huge change and we're going to probably double our six wins from last year, if not triple it. I think this team is so back and ready to compete. So we're kind of fired up for it. If you had to, I'm sure you've watched, watched plenty of movies growing up. Like what's like a sports movie? Like, are you guys the mighty ducks? Are you more like slap shot, like a ragtag group? Are you, you bad news bears? Like what, what is a movie comparison of the Oregon ducks hockey team? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, I just think that, uh, it could it kind of varies between like Step Brothers and like uh, like a really serious movie sometimes like like this this group of guys we have here is is quite possibly the best in the country I think I think top to bottom any guy on this team can be our best player any guy on this team can be the funniest guy any guy on this team can be a real leader like there's so much so much good energy in this locker room this year and everybody involved everybody in the leadership top to bottom is is just an awesome human being and some of the funnest guys I've ever been around. You mentioned that uh, you were named the funniest teammate last year. What is something that you do in the locker room to get the boys going? Uh, yeah, I was, I was voted funniest, funniest guy on the team by my peers. 
could be from my my chill capabilities. I got up to number three in the country last year. I was I uh, sat in room for way too long and played a lot of chill, but story for a different day. And uh, I don't know. I just I just like to keep everything loose. And you know, every, before games, I'm usually really loose. On the bus, I'm really loose. Like I I think there's moments where things should be taken really seriously, and there's definitely a time and place for that. And and I'm definitely the kind of guy that will take things way too seriously sometimes. But I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of guys we're out here just. We're playing hockey out in the West Coast, doing things that really aren't supposed to be done and, and having a lot of fun and, and playing really good hockey. There's a lot of really good talent here. There's a lot of really good guys here. And, and uh, I like to keep things loose. I think that everybody plays better when they're a little loose, when there's a little less uh, tension in the room is awesome. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really funny. I just, I really can't get into it too deep. <laughs> What's up? Like, what kind of chell player are you for like people looking to get better at chell? Like, are you, do you just hammer home the backdoor passes on the two on ones or, or you got some secret sauce? No, I play everything the right way. I, I'm I'm a top to bottom X's and O's guys. I love the sport of hockey. I I just I eat everything up. I love it. And uh, yeah, no, I play chill the right way. There's right ways and wrong ways to do everything in life, and I definitely play chill the right way. I love to uh, have fun, and uh, we've we're a pretty sick Eshel team here too. We got a good goalie. There's a, there's a lot of good a lot of good chill players on this team, but some of the guys don't really give me the time of day anymore for a lot of reasons, but. I might run my mouth when I play a little bit, get really into it, but I played the right way for sure. We've been talking about maybe trying to get a, a hockey house Isha league with all ACHA teams. Like, do you think Oregon would run the table in that? Uh, we could. We very, we very well could. I think we'd be more of like an Oilers style team. We got some really, uh, really good talent. Uh, our goaltending could use a little bit of help and maybe a little bit of depth. But uh, yeah, we got some, we got some studs. This is, this is a good Isha team. You mentioned, you know, a lot of things have changed over the last couple of years. You're looking at the ahead at the schedule this year. I don't think any hockey team out there has had a crazier than year than you guys. You know, I think we'd be remiss not to mention our buddy Dayton Clark, who passed away over this summer. Something that no hockey team wants to go through. I just wanted to give you the chance to talk about like what kind of teammate he was because he seemed just like a big bundle of joy. Was captain of his junior hockey team before coming to Oregon. I, I know it was a tough summer for you guys. Yeah, I think you put it you put it really well. I, I think anyone who met Dayton loved Dayton. He was easily one of the most likable guys on the team. He was just kind of a guy's guy and real family kid, really just wanted to do everything with other people, just wanted to have fun and be happy. And, and uh, it's really, really sad. And his family is, is still going through it, but they've been really strong and really tough and they've been really awesome for us. Um, and I think that everybody who's been a part of it has done a lot of good work keeping the name alive and, and doing all the right things that need to be done for the family and for those involved. And he was a great team. He was a great guy. And it's, it's, it's really sad. You know, it's really all I can kind of give you. I mean, hearing your stories from Oregon hockey, it kind of feels like he embodied that culture of like just a bunch of guys who love the game, love to be guys, guys on the bus and the locker room afterwards. What are some, like, I'm sure you guys are going to the football games together. I'm sure there's plenty to do on campus. Like, what are what are some of the boys' favorite off-ice activities in Eugene? We love the football team, first and foremost. I think there's no more passionate fan base than us out here for the football guys. Off the ice, we're a big roller team. Like I said, we, we just love the sport of hockey. And uh, some of the boys are really good cards players, which is really annoying. Some of the guys are really good Xbox players, which is even more annoying. But, uh, our fantasy league is is kind of probably where, where it kind of comes and goes. We're studs in the classroom as well. I got I to gotta throw that in the mix as well, just to make sure everybody knows that. A lot of math majors here a lot of really smart people uh you know u of o's 93 acceptance rate we're definitely in the top 10 percent i'd say off the ice it's the same to everything's really loose the guys just we all are always hanging out together you can kind of tell who's on the hockey team just based on like who's hanging out with who all the time and there's just a lot of really good energy out here i love it what's the vibe on campus wearing some of that apparel i know you get we talked about you guys are the best looking team in the league like are people coming up and asking questions about oregon hockey 
Yeah, well, unfortunately, you have some of the best-looking guys in the world in this team, and it's it's a little obnoxious sometimes. Yeah, the apparel looks great on some of the guys, especially our, our tall Danish friend. He's a gorgeous dude. So uh, it sells really well, and, and uh, a lot of people love it. And it's unfortunate we don't have an unlimited amount of it, but uh, whoever needs it, we, you can definitely buy it. There's stores available. I might have to shamelessly plug that in here somewhere. We could probably use a couple bucks. And, yeah, there's more on the way. We, we've been in the works. We have some really interesting stuff coming out really soon that everyone should be looking out for. It's going to be sweet. So Now i got to ask because we've talked about it like probably the most recognizable jersey in the ACHA like what is that like to put that sweater on because you, you, the Instagram pictures look great like we, we can't hold back there it's the coolest logo in sports there's there's so much swag out in U of O it's kind of crazy I always feel like I'm always dressed down based on the swag everybody else has and like I said earlier, we have some really cool stuff coming out really soon. Um, and we've been in the works making a lot of more designs, a lot of more stuff we can sell. And I think uh, obviously we're the best looking team in the, in the ACHA, in my opinion, though. There's some really good tarps out there. Shout out the old Miss guys, which are sweet. It's awesome. I think the first day I put it on, I was like, wow, this is like actually one of the coolest things I'll, I'll probably ever do. Plenty more stuff coming out really soon. We're definitely not done marketing this yet. Yeah, the, the Oregon Duck is a little more recognizable than the, the North Quincy High School logo. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's been retweaked a few times. Mr. Yakubian knows what's right. So talk about the football team. I mean, how cool was that to you know lay the hammer on Dion the other week? Oh man, T- talk about good energy. We had, we had a bunch of people over, and uh, we're we're huge football enthusiasts, and that was definitely the game that we got to way too early, and we're definitely way too involved. And in. obviously, it, you know the the energy on campus kind of stems from the football team, and when there's a big game, you can just tell it was so alive. It's awesome, and tailgates are sweet, and like the whole the whole day is just like a, a holiday every year. Yeah, game. Game days here are always done right. And when college game day came out and they were here at like 4.30 in the morning, uh, all the boys were up at about 3.30 getting ready to go. So it's awesome to have that, and I'm very grateful for it. Looking ahead at this year's schedule, what are some games that you're looking forward to? You mentioned going to the East Coast is going to be fun. I know you guys are going to Iowa State next weekend. It'll be their first game in over a year. Like, What are some games that you have circled? Utah's got a really good program out there, really slept on team, some real studs out there. We're going back to Vegas. We're all, it's always a game circle on our calendar. And then, like you said, I would say I think it's going to be a really good game. It's their first home game in a, in a, in a little bit. We also play UW out in Bend, which will be really fun. That will be a lot of – a lot of people will be at that one for sure. But, yeah, this year – is a, is a good schedule for us. I'm looking forward for a lot of W's this year. Let's talk about the Summer League. We mentioned you are a Frozen Jungle champion. Our friend Tony Larkin, Limitless Hockey, puts on a great show. How cool was that? You know, you talk about the preparation that went into your first Division One season, getting to play against some other great ACHA talent here in the East Coast. I think the first thing I have to say is, is how do you not like a guy who wins his own league two years in a row? It's awesome. Like you just have you have to respect that at least a little bit, you know. Larkin is one of the best people ever. Like that guy works his balls off every day, and there's not enough good things I can say about him. The guys in the league are awesome. It is the most fun I've ever had playing hockey in that summer league. Like the talent is really, really good. The energy is awesome. The speed is awesome. And uh the first year, like I had no idea what to expect. I just kind of saw it in passing on social media and then I got involved and, and Tony has has really put his heart and soul into this and I think it's gonna be even bigger in years to come. So I'm really excited to see what happens. But yeah, I love it. Were you a little rattled that you won the championship with the limitless team and then you weren't on the limitless team the next summer? Yeah, I was a bit of a cap casualty. Some of the guys, you know, it's it's hard to hang on to so much talent every year. So so we had to spread the wealth a little bit. Our team this year was really good. I just can't say enough good things about it. It's awesome. And everybody who's ever listening to this is from the East Coast. You should definitely play. I know he He's got his in the Boston area. There's one in the New Jersey Summer League does one now. I think there's one in Cincinnati, too. There's one in Michigan. So it's it's pretty cool to see these popping up all over the place. 
place and uh, definitely seems to be the trend. It's such an untapped market. There's so many guys who play hockey from every different background who just do not get enough ice every year. You know, uh, I'm saying we don't get enough ice like I haven't had to practice in the last two weeks, but I love it. I think it's the best. It's some of my favorite hockey because everybody who's out there is, is all in the same kind of headspace and it's really, really, really good hockey and there's a lot of talent in that league and a lot of really fun locker room guys too. So it's it's awesome. Tell me about the time that you accidentally hung out with the boys of 98. <laughs> oh boy, those those guys, that was something else. So me and my buddy were just kind of goofing off one day and we saw that they came into town. We, we had a football game. I think it was, it might've been against UW or something. So it was kind of a big day and uh, kind of got in touch with them and had a bit of a jersey swap with those guys. I got a bunch of random merch and uh, those guys are, those guys are pretty interesting, but me and my buddy had a pretty funny day that day. And it was, uh, those guys are cool. And they also just love hockey and they love the guys. They love the guys aspect of it. And those guys might have a pretty good uh, collection of ACHA jerseys nowadays. I, I know they went to Arkansas and those, those tarps are sweet. So they, got a pretty good uh, trophy case of jerseys they can wear around. We might have to invade their collection here pretty soon because we, we could use a couple more jerseys. But talking about this season, you split with Colorado, right? Did you guys have to play two games this last weekend? Uh, yeah, it was it was back-to-back Friday, Saturday. But, I mean, those guys traveled twice as hard as we did. So shout out those guys for actually making the trip. And a good program down there, too. And, and uh, it was a really fun weekend. Did you guys get to play there last year? Yeah, we played in, we've played in Boulder, I think, every year I've been here. And, and uh, those guys treat us really well. And, and Boulder's a really cool place. So uh, those guys do it right down there, too. And yeah, it was a really fun weekend to play them, actually. Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite places to play is that rink on campus in Boulder is very nice. Yeah, super dope. Well, you talked about the guys a lot, but any guys worthy of a shout out? I know you mentioned your president. I don't know if you call them by name, but who are some of the, the, the beauties in the, the Oregon locker room? Yeah, I, I think I'd be remiss to not shout out all the guys on the board, like Nathan Hannon, uh, Jackson Hanningsgard, and especially Nick Slayton. Nick Slayton does so much work behind the scenes for this team, and you definitely cannot say enough good words about that guy. But I think top to bottom, like I said, uh, definitely the funniest group in the league, and uh, there's just way too many stories. And if I told you guys we have a, an ultimate Frisbee Hall of Famer on the team, you, you wouldn't believe me, but I'm being 100% serious. So you guys got to keep that in mind. <laughs> You are you were checking off every box in the ACHA. You got you know the Monopoly squad on the bus. You got the Eshel team. It's it seems like Oregon has it all right now. Yeah, like I said, it starts in the room and it starts with the guys who have been here before before I got here. And I, like I said, Isaiah Stratagos has definitely put this team in a pretty sweet bow and made everybody so close from day one. And and uh, I think a lot of the guys here owe that to him. And there's this group is is a super tight bunch. And I think. After all the stuff we dealt with last year, we're even tighter. And the guys who stayed to pick up the pieces from last year are, are really here to to change everything and make this better and make it what it should be. Is there anything else on the, the recruiting pitch that we haven't already touched on? Jeez, I, I don't know. I, I think you guys just got to come here and hang out with us. It, all it takes is about five hours. <laughs> And uh, you have a big smile on your face and you wish you were here more. And, and I, like I said, I, I can't talk enough about the guys, but I think on the ice too, this team is going to be really good this year and, and have a lot to prove, especially after kind of an interesting year the year before. And can't say enough good words about our new coach. He's been amazing. That guy is perfect for this job. And, and he's going he's gonna to make a lot of noise this year for this team. And, and we're really excited to, to prove a lot of people wrong. Awesome. Well, hey, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck this season and uh, good luck in the jungle again next year. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Can't say enough good words about you guys. Too. Someone's got to steal the crown from Tony Larkin. It's going to be year three. <laughs> uh, he's got it locked up behind his door somewhere. So he's holding on to that thing pretty tight.
Thanks to Charlie Marr and Murph for this week's interview. Murph had to dip out. It's just going to be myself and Collins for the rest of the episode. We're getting on the grill this week. Collins, let us know what ACHA Burgers blowouts of the week we had in store. Oh, we got some burgers. UNLV knocked down GCU 11 to nothing. And M2, hot off the grill, Weber State 28, Idaho State. Zero. In M3, we got Missouri State taking down Maryville 8 nothing, And then in W1, Utah beating Lindenwood 13-1. W2, we got BU beating Holy Cross 8-2. Now we're going to switch friars here. We're going to go to the AAU friar. In D1, St. Bonaventure took down Delaware 12-1. to uh, In D2, Sacred Heart 11 over Salisbury, my Maryland boys. Uh, 11 to 2. D3, Florida State 9, Embry Riddle 0, and then some pretty hot burgers this week. A lot, a lot of burgers. A tough scene for an Idaho State team that is just getting its feet wet in the ACHA. We kind of alluded to it last week that this was potentially up on the horizon. Like there is such a disparity of talent, especially in that Utah region, between some of those really, really strong teams and the teams that are just getting their feet wet. It seems like it's a rite of passage at this point for teams just joining the ACHA or ADU to just kind of take a shellacking to start it off in their first couple of games or first year, setting those foundations for the program. It sucks in the moment. We look at a team like Houston that had to go through it already this season. It's formational for these programs to make sure that you can say, okay, this is the floor and let's find the ceiling of where this program needs to go. Games to watch this week. We go out west for our first matchup between number 23, U Mary versus number one, Minot State at Starian Sports Complex. This is a North Dakota rivalry for the first time with both teams at the M1 level. They are no strangers with you, Mary, having played up against Minot and Jamestown in years past. Splitting seasons. It'll be really interesting to see if, if you, Mary, can squeak this one out. We have Maryville, number nine in the country, taking on number six, UCO. You could see this as a, a quarterfinal matchup in St. Louis easily. Both of these teams are legit. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep their momentum rolling. On Friday, we move down to the AAU between AAU D1 Tampa and AAU South Carolina. South Carolina has not had the hottest start to the season as of yet. Tampa has been very solid. This is a really big inflection point for South Carolina. If they're able to split or or sweep this weekend, huge for them to say the early season struggles are in the past. And if it's Tampa, man, can they keep up that torrid regular season pace that they had last year? Yeah, this is going to be a huge tester for USC to see really where they're at. It's hard not to root for the Cox, but I mean, with the role Tampa has been on recently, really, really interesting one to watch. Probably going to be a very chippy, chippy game. We've seen a lot between these two teams in the past. The beef these two have, whether it's in season or the conference championship, it's always a fiery one. Then we've got a big one, like a really, really big one. And it feels like to this point, it's flown under the radar. We haven't talked about it all that much. NCAA D1 Arizona State University versus number 11 ACHA M1 University of Arizona at Mullet Arena. This is monumental, monumental for the University of Arizona. If they can come in and put up a respectable performance, you could see them move to NCAA D1 in the near future. And it feels like the administration is using this probably as a proving ground to say, okay, is there a barometer for hockey right now in Tucson? Well, isn't Arizona 
planning on building a new hockey center. Is that correct? That's correct. It's not far out of the realm of possibility to see probably the next six to seven years, Arizona as a D1 hockey team. This one just absolutely snuck up on us and it's there better be a live stream for this. I want to watch this really bad. I don't care what the score is going to be if if Arizona gets rinsed. It's always cool to see where the top ACHA teams line up against NCAA D1 team. Adrian, number two in the country versus 12 Pitt. It's a top 10 M1 slugfest, which segues perfectly into the next one, which is also a top 10 M1 slugfest between number seven, Jamestown, and number 15, Illinois State. Also on Friday, we've got Iowa State University versus the University of Oregon. Not only is it the return to M1 for Iowa State, this is a proving ground for the Cyclones is to see where they're at. We go a little bit further out west for our last game to watch between UCLA and Loyola Marymount. We got a really positive DM from LMU saying that the coverage that we've given them has been really, really beneficial for their program and the, the university has taken hockey a lot more seriously out there. So that would be a wild card school, if at all. If you want to say like, and and they jump the line, they make the, the jump to, to M1 or maybe even beyond, that'd be insane to see. Some honorable mentions this week, we've got University of Michigan versus Adrian uh, at the M2 level at Yost, just a men's two Michigan rivalry. These schools don't like each other. You've got number 19 Stony Brook versus Oswego State University at the ranks. Battle of two New York men's one teams looking to crack the top 15. Simply stated, one is looking to regain their former spot, the other is looking to solidify themselves as a top program. Back over to the AAU for the University of Delaware versus AAU D2 Cutstown University. It's an old DVCHC rivalry. Coots called their shot, you know, like they, we continue to see an influx of DMs from those guys when, whether it's direct or swiping up on the story, they're loud and they're letting us know that they're on the prowl right now. Back over to the ACHA, UMass Amherst M2, the national champions open their season against Providence College at the Mullen Center. This was a game that our boy Trey Peterson told us to keep an eye on just to see if they're able to open their season up on the right foot. For the final honorable mention, the University of St. Thomas, we can't forget about the Tommies, versus the University of Minnesota, which takes us into our game of the week. It is the Iron Cup between AAU D1 University of Alabama versus AAU D1 Auburn University at Pelham Civic Center Complex. Banger, banger, banger of a graphic that Alabama put out. Was that your line or was that Murph's line? Because I haven't seen the graphic. Oh, I wrote that. I got I got I guess I got to take a look at it now. Yeah, no, the graphic is insane. We're going to do the live reaction for the. Oh, my God. Wow. That is something that you could frame and put on a wall. That's awesome. Because of that graphic specifically, I'm rocking with Bama. I'm also going to be rocking with Bama. The graphic played lesser influence, but still some influence. I mean, just they've been on a roll, man. I mean, you look at how they've been playing, especially with that 4-2 win over Tampa. Hard not to go with them. I mean, both of these teams are hot coming into this game. Unstoppable force meets a movable object. Murph will also be taking Bama. Uh, he says they looked really good so far this year. This is going to be a great game. This is this is going to be a lot of fun to watch, folks. I mean, it's the Iron Cup. I mean, this is one of the best rivalries in college football, and it translates over to the ice really, really well. So looking forward to this. Absolutely. And we've been doing a lot of traveling past couple of weeks, which segues perfectly into our question of the week. Collins, what is your biggest travel hack? I'm not a big traveler, at least by flight. 
I mean, I drive a good amount, but for flying, especially on long haul flights, my my big travel hack for you guys is dress nicely when going to the airport, wear something nice, look presentable, but keep like a t-shirt, but like sweats and a hoodie in the bag in your carry-on. Just keep that with you. Once you're ready to, to settle in on the flight, head to the bathroom, change, relax for a couple hours, and then right before you're about to land, throw those nice clothes back on, and then you're ready to go as soon as you land. You know, just drop your bags off the the hotel or whatever and just you know start doing your thing so i mean that's that's helped me save a solid amount of time and then also just look presentable as well that's that's my big thing i like to look presentable i'm not a big traveler but that's that's all i got for me i am going to say pack sunscreen because the kentucky sun is a cruel mistress don't be me and don't be murph and don't be tim three pasty white kids from the northeast who decide to just absolutely get toasty in uh, Kroger Field. That's what I would say. Going into picking up pucks this week, Murph texted us and said, I can't wait for another SEC trip. I'm so excited to, to get back down south. It was so much fun in Kentucky. Cannot state enough legitimately how welcoming every single person in that organization was to us. Obviously, it wasn't the home crowd result that we were looking for. I would go back to Lexington in a heartbeat. We got interviewed in the parking lot in Kentucky for for content. One of the Kentucky media members asked Murph what he thought of Lexington, and Murph kind of smiled and laughed and said, "Uh, I'm going to town hall in the morning because I'm moving down here. He really loved it down south. New Hampshire kid making the jump across the Mason-Dixon line. Collins, what do you got for picking up bucks this week? I don't got much this week, man. It's been slow. Low. I don't know. I'm just looking forward to getting the season back rolling after this week off. Much deserved break. Like going to see my my best friend since I was six years old. Who's yeah? I don't know. I'm just looking forward to, to playing some golf next week. You know, going to see the Ravens in London, which will be so much fun. Hopefully, they're good this year. It's kind of hard to tell. The the NFL has been absolutely whack. I mean, the Dolphins are frauds. We can confirm that. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, be sure to submit your content to us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as we're going to be uploading more content there real soon. Be sure to leave a five-star rating if you can, and we'll see you soon. See you, boys.